0: Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. We want to start with East Palestine. and I think this is one of the most incredible situations we've continued to see. Let me know in the chat, by the way, if everything sounds okay and you guys can see everything okay on your end. Now, this is really mind-blowing to me. No one has accepted real responsibility for the East Palestine disaster. That was one month ago on The Guardian. So it's very clear that even from corporate media's perspective that there's something wrong, that there's a confusion about what's really going on. And the only thing we can tell for sure is that people are really sick with all of the symptoms that would associate with exactly what we're told isn't happening and the EPA and Norfolk Southern pretending like it's not happening. But nobody's taking responsibility, even though we clearly know who is responsible. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Well, here's an article that came out a couple of days ago This is entitled, Months After a Toxic Train Derailment, East Palestine is Fracturing. Fracturing. I mean, it's just very clear what's going on here, and it seems as if they don't want to address the elephant in the room, while we all seem to know what's going on. Here is the article itself from Bloomberg, because I wasn't able to find it on the way back machine, but here is the actual article reposted on whatever platform this is. So let's go over some of this information that I think is really really mind-blowing. Joan Rivers... Change the shot here real quick so you guys can see me. All right. So it says Joan Rogers, excuse me, an EPA enforcement officer who worked there in April said safety was the number one question from the residents with queries ranging from, quote, is it safe to plant vegetables to is it safe to let my grandkids out on the lawn? This is happening this month. After all this time, Rogers answer came as a kind of refrain. Ongoing data collection shows nothing of concern. That's what people are being told right now as their children are vomiting, as they have headaches all day, as they can't go to school. And this is not hyperbole. This is not literally everybody, but it is rampant in the area. But everything's fine. Don't worry. Andrew Welton, who we mentioned many times, an environmental and ecological engineering professor at Purdue University, doesn't buy it. As you guys have seen, we've discussed his work many times on on Twitter and other things he's putting out, which directly contradicts what they're seeing there, what the EPA is telling you they're finding. And that aligns with people like we've already interviewed, Scott C. Smith, Texas A&M, who we haven't interviewed, but that was also present. Many independent experts all finding the same thing. And the EPA, Norfolk Southern saying, you're wrong. Well, historically, we know how this ends up. The EPA says Welton hasn't shared enough data, though, basically saying that he hasn't given them the information. But the point is that it's all publicly available. Every one of these experts are finding the same things. During his most recent visit to East Palestine in early June, he found that some buildings located along or on top of the affected streams are, at this moment, still chemically contaminated. And it's the EPA simultaneously saying, not true, you're okay. Welton said the EPA has not tested the air quality inside these buildings, despite his warnings. The EPA says Wilton hasn't shared enough data for the agency to verify his concerns. Quote, EPA has visited several locations where sulfur run is located under the buildings and has not noticed any odors associated with specifically one chemical they list off, which is not the point. You see, the point is for all of the many chemicals, the dioxins and PFAS and everything else related to the situation. Vinyl chloride. They said in this statement that this bottom line, quote, does not show any level of concern. That's from the EPA. Locals like Conrad are also skeptical. After the controlled burn, which is what they're still calling this, despite the evidence, she was in bed with nausea and headaches for days, initially convinced that she had COVID-19. Think about the overlap there. Right. So all the way back to the beginning, some of these people still actually thought that they were dealing with something else. Why? Because most of it was all psychological or rather just being fed information and allowing you to think you have something that they were told you might have. When she asked an urgent care doctor if her symptoms could be the result of chemicals in the air, he said he wasn't able to test for that. Well, isn't that contradictory? Aren't we being told that they're being told to test for things and that Norfolk Southern will pay for it until they go in and say, "Hey, can I test for this?" And they go, "No, we're not allowed to," which we've already seen happen. "Quote: I'm being tired. I'm saying I'm tired," she says, "of being told everything's safe when clearly there are people here that are sick. I mean, really wrap your mind around that." They're all a lot of people are still sick with exactly the symptoms that they would have, what they would be listed off under dealing with these types of chemicals. And nobody cares. It's like Flint, Michigan. It's like any other situation we've seen before. We're being gaslit, if you can say it that way. During the controlled release, again, they write, they document their symptoms daily. The main thing was this raw burning throat. It literally felt like somebody was choking you. We continue to hear this. That goes to this very day. For some people in what's called an assessment of chemical exposures survey of 528 Ohio residents conducted by the federal government through the end of March, 94 percent, 94 percent at the end of March said they had at least one new or worsening symptom. I can't even believe this. Most commonly affecting their ears, nose, throat, nervous system, lungs, eyes, skin, heart, all of this. And March according to the Ohio Department of Health and their own fact sheet. Seven members, as you guys know, of the 15-person team conducting the survey reported symptoms themselves, and they still deny this. The CDC people had the same exact problem. Two EPA contractors involved with the response also reported symptoms. But you're all wrong. You're lying. Everything's fine because our test says you're okay. The disconnect between the official line on safety and people's lived experiences has made it hard for residents to trust authorities. <laughs> you don't say. Talk about the understatement of the year. The disconnect between how you're on the verge of dying, vomiting, coughing up blood, and them telling you you're okay. Causes some dishon- some, some disconnect. between. I mean, my God, that's unbelievable. In March, one of Conrad's sons came home from a Little League game with a new baseball bag. A gift, actually, from Norfolk Southern and one of their reps, who, spotted, who stopped by the children's practice, giving sunflower seeds and apologizing for the derailment, which he was very unhappy about, which I understand. He says, quote, I really do think that when the representative from Norfolk Southern comes to your child's practice or school or whatever it is, without your permission, parents without parents being there and without warning, it's playing dirty. She said, I don't think that you should thank your abuser, no matter how much money they throw at you. Like, there's something inherently wrong with that. Going to children's games and trying to get on the good side of the children kind of lines up with other things we'll get into today. As of June 20th, five days ago, the company has spent about $62 million in its derailment response. Well, quick breakdown. Roughly, based on the last estimates, 4,761 residents in all of East Palestine divided equally. That comes to about $13,000 a person. But I guess that's enough for your children's health and your home, your land, your livelihood, and your entire generations of growing up in the town. But, you know, $13,000 is enough, according to them, because they've done their job. Just absolutely mind-blowing. Well, East Palestine I had to include today just because of how obvious this is and what's going on and how... Clearly, we're being lied to about just about everything else that we could possibly include in the show today. But here's another thing you might find very interesting. I told you I was going to include this. It's just this clip that I wanted to show you about the Durham report and the, and the congressional testimony. This is just one clip we're going to get into. This deserves an entire show of itself. But you guys can hear this so you understand what is also being ignored right this moment.
1: Chairman, I insist on regular order. Well, it's not even his time. It's Miss Lofgren's time. So the gentleman yields back to Miss Lofgren, who's not here. So the time has expired. Uh, Mr. Durham, in the summer of 2016, did our government receive intelligence that suggested Secretary Clinton had approved a plan to tie President Trump to Russia? Yes. Was that intelligence important enough for Director Brennan to go brief the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, and the Director of the FBI? Yes. And was that intelligence put then into a memorandum, a referral memorandum? Yes. And was that memorandum then given to Director Comey and Agent Strzok? That's who was addressed to, yes. Did Director Comey share that memorandum with the FISA court? I'm, I'm sorry, can did you? Did he share that memorandum with the FISA court? Did Director Comey do that? I'm not aware of that if he did. Did he share it with the, with the lawyers preparing the FISA application? Not to my knowledge. Did he share it with the agents on the case working the Crossfire Hurricane case? No didn't share with the agents on the case. Can you tell the committee what happened when you took that referral memo and shared it with one of those agents, specifically supervisory special agent number one?
2: We interviewed the uh, first supervisor of the um, crossfire uh, investigation, um, the operational person. Uh, We showed him the intelligence um, information. Uh, He indicated he had never seen it before. Uh, He immediately became uh, emotional, uh, got up and left the room with his lawyer, um, spent some time in the hallway, came back. um, He was ticked
1: off, wasn't he? He was ticked off because this is something he should have had as an agent on the case. is important information that the director of the FBI kept from the people doing the investigation. The information was kept from him. (coughs) Who's Charles Dolan?
2: Charles Dolan uh, is a public uh, relations person here in uh, Washington, D.C. He had uh, prior involvement, professional involvement with the Russian government, representing Russian government interests. Uh, He was a person that was associated with Igor uh, Danchenko. Um, He was also buddies with the Clintons, wasn't he? Uh, he had um, held positions um, when uh, President Clinton was president.
1: And their campaign advisory to Secretary Clinton's presidential campaign, executive director of the Democrat Governors Association, that's the same Charles Dolan we're talking about? Uh, yes. Yeah. And wasn't he also a key source for information in the dossier? He provided some information that was included in Ritz-Carlton the Ritz-Carlton yes. stuff, the Manafort stuff. In the Crossfire Hurricane investigation and the Mueller investigation, when the FBI interviewed Mr. Dolan, what did he have to say? Um, to my knowledge, they didn't interview Mr. Dolan. They didn't interview this guy? source for the dossier? Key information in the dossier? Buddies with the Clintons and they didn't talk to him? No. I mean, we
2: report on that because um, even Christopher Steele in October 2016 identified Dolan as somebody that might have information.
1: In I find it interesting they didn't talk to him. What, there were, were there agents on the case who wanted to talk to Mr. Dolan, Mr. Durham? Yes. What happened to analyst number one? She kept pushing to talk to... Mr. Dolan, she was ultimately turned down. What happened to her the day that she was turned down and said, no, no, you're, we're not talking to Dolan. What happened to her? Um, at about the same time, she was assigned to a different project. They the moved her. They said, we can't have this. We can't have that. We can't be looking into the Clinton's buddy, a key source for the dossier. They reassigned her. And then what did she do?
2: She memorialized it.
1: She entered a memo to the file because she said, at some point the inspector general is going to want to know this information. I'm going to make it sure it's recorded contempor- contemporaneously. She put it in the file. That's, I mean, it's crazy. They didn't talk to the, the, to the key source. They kept key intelligence from the, the investigators. is how bad this investigation was. But here's the scary part. I don't think anything has changed. The day your report came out, five weeks ago, May 15th, you got a letter... Mr. Durham, addressed to you from the general counsel at the FBI, Mr. Jason Jones writes you this six-page letter, and he says not to worry, everything is fine. It's all been worked out at the FBI. He even says on page two, he says, had the reforms implemented by current FBI leadership summarized below, been in place in 2016, failures detailed in your report never would have happened and he underlines it said, this would never happen because of the reforms we implemented in 2019 and 2020. And then he says on page four, one of the specific reforms, he says, FBI executive management has instructed investigations should be run out of the field and not from the headquarters. That statement is not true. Five weeks ago, the FBI wrote you and said everything has changed when in fact it hasn't. And a statement in there is absolutely false. And we know it's false because two weeks ago today, we interviewed Stephen D'Antuano, former head of the Washington field office, Mr. Durham. And here's what he said in his transcript. Head of the Washington field office when the Trump classified document investigation began, he said, "That case was handled differently than I would have expected it to be than any other cases handled. We learned a lot of stuff from Crossfire Hurricane that headquarters should not work the investigation. It's supposed to be the field offices. My concern is that the Department of Justice was not following these principles. Nothing is, and that's the thing that scares me the most. Nothing has changed, Mr. Durham. I'm just finished with this. 60% of Americans now believe there's a double standard at the Justice Department. You know why they believe that? Because there is. That has got to change, and I don't think more training, more rules is going to do it. I think we have to fundamentally change the FISA process, and we have to use the appropriations process.
0: The problem here, guys, apparently I was just muted. The problem here is that ultimately this is exactly what it looks like. We've been showing you this Russiagate facade the entire time. We've talked about this in regard to any number of things. I mean, there's a million topics we can get into that they state the narrative and it contradicts the facts. We could talk about the vaccine narrative. East Palestine, we just went over. Well, what's amazing to us, and we talk about this in regard to the Clinton Foundation in another congressional hearing where the the, the gentleman from Boston presented all the information about pay to play. I bring this up all the time. Here's what they did. Here's how we know it happened. Here's the evidence, the proof nailed to the ground. What happened? Absolutely nothing. So this and seeing the reality of the situation, we need to understand it's not a left-right paradigm problem. It is a government problem. And I agree with everything he's saying, other than a field that that gets kind of couched on the idea that it's a a left-only kind of problem. This is your government abusing everything, abusing everything trying to manipulate your perception. So what we need to see through all of this is one, that this isn't going to get talked about. They're going to continue to pretend it's not happening while ultimately pretending that means that Russia influenced the election, but then arguing that we can't undermine the election integrity when it's somebody else arguing that other side of the conversation. It's absurd. But ultimately, we need to recognize how often we are deceived by the left-right paradigm and we miss the main point of what's going on. Everything they said there is absolutely correct. Now, we have this discussion as well, just before we jump into the ma- one of the main topics today. Hunter Biden and Merrick Garland attend the same state dinner last night, just hours after the Department of Justice was accused of massive cover-up involving Hunter's tax fraud case, which, by the way, he admitted to crimes. As he says, they're laughing at you. They think you're stupid. They're in one big elite club with the state media, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, however you perceive this, realize that there's <laughs> definitely a multi-tier system, as Jordan was pointing out. Definitely not even two-tier system at this point, but it's exactly the same point. We are all treated differently under the law, which is the exact opposite that we're told. But we'll have to see how this pans out. Something tells me there won't be any accountability. But let's start with the Wagner conversation I think is really important for everybody to see. We just went over this pretty in depth yesterday. We talked about the coup and what could have been the many options, that the way the, what, how this could have played out. Now, my thought was ultimately that we were staring at something that didn't make much sense. Obviously, especially with what we can see now, at least again, taking things coming out of other countries and, and wartime and things like that, or really any information, question everything, we should consider that we could be being lied to. But based on what we can see, it seems that they stopped, that there was an agreement made between the Russian government and the Wagner group, but that doesn't make much sense when you hear the bigger story about, oh, they're threatening this, they're calling them traitors, they're occupying buildings, and then they just kind of go, it's okay, everything's fine. That doesn't make much sense, does it, unless there's something more going on. So I'm thinking either that this was ultimately a executed coup that the Wagner group decided to play the U.S. side, which we've seen happen, both in Venezuela, in Syria, and allowed Putin to know what was going on. That's certainly one thing to think about. Or it could be something that... They played the United States from the get go. We talked about this yesterday, that maybe the Wagner Group and Putin allowed this to play out so they could see who might be the insiders we talked about in regard to Project Aerodynamic, the CIA assets that have been placed or MI6, by the way, which we mentioned yesterday. I think that's very interesting to think about. But either way, no matter how you look at how this played out, the U.S. government or the people promoting this concept have clearly failed. They tried to float this as something bigger than it was. It didn't pan out. And it exposes their hand, I think, as they're now trying to say it went the other way. Shows how weak Putin is. And we're no defenders of Russian government or any government or Putin for that matter, but I think the facts are quite clear. So here is what Wyatt Reed shared. We showed this yesterday. The very real Russian civil war of 2023 is officially over. Thanks to all the Western experts for playing along. They literally had Wikipedia pages with the Russian civil war of 2023, Clearly, there was something here that was supposed to happen, or at least the way they wanted it to happen. We discussed this in depth yesterday. The Wagner coup did the CIA just attempt and fail at a regime change in Russia. After everything we've seen, I, that's a yes for me. That'd be my opinion. But I feel like it's much more complex than just the CIA and just a clumsy failed coup. What we, what we saw right in the beginning, which was really embarrassing, we pointed this out yesterday. We saw Sarah Abdallah and plenty of others make the similar point. Wagner terrorists are withdrawing from Rostov following peace deal with Putin. So you can see they say Wagner terrorists. Well, somebody follows up underneath them and goes, what's weird? Yesterday or well, you know, later, somewhere in between this, you switch to calling them Wagner freedom fighters. Why is that exactly? And then why did you switch back after everything shifted? You know why we made this point yesterday. Because suddenly that they're fighting the Russia bad guys, well, now they're on our side. Which shows you the people seeding these narratives don't really care about what they pretend they're fighting for. Or there's a couple of different multifaceted discussions we can get into about how that might be playing out. But either way, it's it's hypocrisy. It's absurd. And here is their account, Terror Alarm, and you can see an example right here. Wagnum Freedom Fighters, it's still up on their website. But if you go through, you'll see a lot more examples. And you'll see an exact moment when they switch from calling them terrorists to freedom fighters. And now they're back to calling them terrorists again. You know, because objectivity, for you know, it's just, it's absolutely absurd. Sarah made the same point, how interesting it is. How they went one and right back to the other. Ed points out, this is how it went down. This is sort of a joke, but I think it's funny. He says, Lukashenko, whatever MI6 is paying you, this is Belarus, we'll triple it. Prigozhin says, sounds good. Let's turn it around, boys. And they head back the other way. Now, that's obviously oversimplified, but it's not that hard to think about that it's something that could have played out to where these are mercenaries. And they simply said, we got a better offer. They came back with a higher offer and they stopped. That's certainly how this could have played out. But my gut is telling me that there was obviously a one-sided play to this. And who actually got played is the West and their intelligence. But I also included this yesterday in regard uh, to this overlap. I mean, obviously, my mind is more focused on the CIA, Western intelligence. But MI6 is not something to dismiss, if not possibly even larger. We have to remember that we're talking about Mossad and different aspects to this as well. But this is a great article from Matt. The British imperial hand behind Russiagate and global governance exposed again. And here's just another joking video before we get into some more important points to this, which is just kind of how this probably played out. As you can see, this is a clip from uh, Braveheart. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, as much as this is a joke, I mean, it's, you know, you have to see how the clumsy way that this has been conducted by the U.S. government in particular, not this is an entire U.S. government agenda, but you can see how there's too much hubris, I think, the way that they think that they can have more of an effect today than they really do. But afterward, we saw this happen. The reports since my show have been that they have essentially been that specifically the Wagner Group leader has been exiled. But yet that they made a deal to not hold any of the Wagner group accountable. Now, I'm questioning all of that in general. So as Truth makes the same point, I'm skeptical of anything published by the Moscow Times, as we should be. But if it's true that Prigozhin was allowed to exile to Belarus and he and the Wagner group rebels are not being charged, that's quite an odd response from Putin. And I would completely agree. I'm not actually sure how you would argue that that would be the way if, if somebody conducted a coup, even if they changed their mind, even if they said, OK, I'll take your offer instead. I find it pretty hard to believe that this would play out to where nobody is held accountable for it. Well, here's the Moscow Times, and it just says at the top Wagner mercenaries were headed back to the base on Sunday after Russians' President Vladimir Putin agreed to allow their leader to avoid treason charges and accept exile in Belarus. Now, we have to take this with a grain of salt. Here's another report, Boston.com, Russian mercenary leaders, exile ends revolt, but leaves questions about Putin's power. I mean, really, it's certainly possible that this could be an insight into how he's losing control, but it kind of shows the opposite when you're being objective, right? That this was something that was clearly tried. Somebody tried something here, unless, again, it was a ploy to kind of suss out the CIA plants and MI6 plants, which is what a lot of people are thinking right now. But if you look at this objectively, clearly this is not an indication of somebody failing or their power. It's the opposite, that they shut this down almost immediately. That kind of gives you a different perspective. But one thing we saw that I thought was really interesting and worth dissecting is the way that this media landscape is changing in such dramatic ways right now. Right? We have these examples, Twitter files we've talked about quite a lot. Right. The the Twitter files, the idea that this was a in one of the many ways this was played. I think this was meant to redefine the way that we engage with information, the way that we engage with journalism as the Twitter files. How did that pan out, guys? Did we get the source material as all of the screechers on Twitter swore that we would get that we were crazy for not blindly trusting? No, we didn't get those. So they're not files at all. They're Twitter screenshots, which, by the way, I've always I've maintained are accurate, at least from what I saw but we never got to see source material. So it'd be very irresponsible to just take it at face value. And we've also said these most of everything they pointed out was proven, and I mean proven, before those Twitter screenshots ever came out. I think it's very smart to use the truth to try to re-engineer the way people see these things. But we see this kind of thing playing out today with the Twitter Spaces game. Right? One of these large players in this who's gone from like 500,000 followers to almost a million in a blink of an eye is Mario Knopfel. Now, again, if I just took my perspective like just nothing just the way he per, the way he's per, i perceive him i mean, like for instance i said this about fauci when i first saw him never seen him before hadn't done any research on his background and i said he just looks like a normal guy and i was very very wrong right you do your research and it turns out the guy's pretty maniacal in my opinion my point is i'm doing that kind of just broad assessment mario seems like somebody who wants to do the right thing that'd be my guess but is clearly towing the line all across the board and i think that's what's so alarming to me now, you'll see what I mean when we get into this point here. Elon Musk shared this yesterday. Best coverage of the situation I've seen so far is from Mario on the Wagner discussion. Well, look at the tweet that he shows you here. Coup updates. Putin reportedly leaves Moscow, which, as far as I can tell, didn't happen. Machine gun positions around Moscow. Wagner convoy heads to Moscow. Now, what if this actually happened? I know he said reportedly. Fine. Fine. But it says, as the coup continues, here's the latest updates from our various sources live on the Twitter spaces. Worries of the Russian nuclear warheads moved to Belarus weeks ago. Wagner forces continue to advance in Moscow. The the reality is this is all unverifiable information, which, again, to their credit, they did say that here and there. And I've watched some of it. But his thoughts. It says this is a military coup. We can no longer dispute this. Well, yeah, we actually can, even when he said that. And things are moving very rapidly and not looking good for Putin, which that, again, that was provably not true on the ground. There was movements happening, but to argue that it was looking not, that is a Western intelligence line. This might as well be typed right, taken right out of the corporate media reports, which, by the way, that's what it seems to have been happening. Almost everything right now can't be verified and should be taken with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean that everybody's not doing exactly that. But I find this very telling. Best coverage so far. Well, not really, if you really look at the information that was being presented. Wagner chief is shown, as Mario writes, on the 23rd. Casual meeting of commander of the Southern Military District, as well as deputy defense minister. Now, again, this was all stuff coming out in real time, so we can't, like we said about the stuff in front of the building. We, I still haven't seen this confirmed, but it does appear to be the location. This is a very serious development, as it shows high senior members of the Russian military collaborating with Wagner in this apparent coup. Okay, well, none of this happened. Not that these people weren't meeting, but this is not what actually happened. This isn't serious development. I mean, the bottom line is this fizzled out and we can see that it fizzled out and now nothing's even happening because of it, which makes you think that indicates that there was more going on than a coup that was shut down. The Southern Military District contains a quarter of the Russian military. It says it's important to note that he is armed while the other officials are not. It just, this is, you know, unverified information. But a lot of people that were watching this had similar perspectives. Sean says he got the whole thing wrong, though, in regard to Elon Musk saying best coverage, which, yeah, it's hard. I wouldn't say wrong, but they were everybody was shouting things out on this Twitter spaces and all the experts that were there with no back, no source material being presented. And a lot of this got floated right out on these tweets. This is what we're being told. And a lot of people then towed that line. And you compare that to what MSNBC and the rest of them were telling you weird how it's almost exactly the same story. Now, that doesn't mean that it was on, on purpose. That doesn't mean that the mainstream media is wrong either. It just means that that makes me uncomfortable. A.A. Ron points out, A.A. Ron, that's funny. A lot of his sub coverage was wrong too, the submarine, which I don't really still don't understand why everybody was so obsessed with that. I mean, I think we do know actually, but here's the point. President's, pre- Putin's presidential plane was spotted leaving Moscow mid Ma- Wagner's uprising. What well, was it? Is this what actually happened? Is this Business Insider taking information from things like Maxar Technologies and other groups that we've proven to you are not to be trusted because they're working with the CIA? Well, not in this exact case, but that's something to consider in every time we get information coming out of these locations. What you will see is it says Putin's presidential plane, the plane, reportedly left at 1416 Moscow time, according to flight radar data retrieved by NEXTA, which you can do your own work on that group. And the point is that this in and of itself should be something we question. But it says, while it's not clear where the plane was even headed, it simply disappeared from tracking systems in a city just north of Moscow. So we can't even prove this left Russia. But apparently they're reporting that Putin's fled. And that became this huge story that cascaded through social media, that he fled and he's a coward and, you know, maybe. But from what I can tell, that didn't even happen. Now, it says presidential spokesman, of course, in, in Russia denied that he had fled, saying he is working at the Kremlin. Now, again, the way this has turned out since then, I believe we can say that's the case. So it's interesting that the best coverage so far is quoted in saying something that it turned out not even to be true. But Shooter, McGavin, another good, Shooter McKevin, another good name, by the way, <laughs> a lot of great names here on Twitter. Elon Mario seems to cover everything like a state-run media source. I completely agree with that. Doesn't mean he's being intentionally dishonest or that he's even wrong. But why would we want that as new media? as i agree he says dave decamp of antiwar.com would be a much better option which by the way was one of the chief sources i talked to I uh, used yesterday because they have excellent resources and their work is outstanding and they're very critical of the corporate narrative which you know you could say that's a bias for me i certainly agree i'm much much i'm very biased against the corporate narrative ace of spades points out that this was a total exaggeration their entire r- series of sort of spaces and coverage of the wagner coup discussion and calling it a Q, apparently. Mario was late as he labeled it. A good practice is to wait three to five days to begin to get a handle on what is actually going on. Mario was promoting unchecked propaganda theater. Well, in his defense, he was saying that we don't know reportedly and so on, but it's interesting that this would be framed as the best of the coverage. I wouldn't even say even remotely that my coverage was even the best. There's some people out there that did outstanding work that was very objective that cut to the quick of the whole thing. Which that there was more going on than just a coup. Now, this person said he got the whole thing wrong, and I simply added, I said exactly. But they praised it anyway, after the fact. This is about redefining what journalism is today, just like with the Twitter files that we never saw, which was the point. All they seemed to do was toe the line all day and ended up being wrong. Shocker. Well, Misha Fitton also points out, Narwhal is a business. Him, Mario Narwhal, Narwhal is a business. He is selling entertainment talk show experience. I like that sometimes as a listener, but not for news always. Anyone know is, is any spaces that are a bit less infotainment about Russia and Ukraine that I can listen to? So even their subscribers are pointing this out because that's a subscriber to, to Mario. But she also added, for, a, uh, for real, I can't look at this panel and think this is the best coverage of the war. Quite frankly, I agree. I mean, you could look for yourself at the people that were there. We, I think you all know, quite frank, there's a lot of people that are even in these locations that have far more understanding of the situation, but are, you know, seen as outside the, what what would you call it these days, the, in, the mainstream independent media. It's very interesting. So they don't end up in these discussions. Well, he also writes, and this is the thing that I think is most concerning. Yesterday started with an attempted coup in Russia, which again, apparently that's just what we're saying was the case now, even though I think it's clear that's not what actually happened but ended with a coup on mainstream media, he says. Right, so they're they're reframing this as some kind of monumental win over corporate media for reporting the same things. That's very concerning. And that there's a lot of other people in the independent media that have been fighting for this for a decade or more and have built this and have already seen this happen. So it's interesting to see how this is being framed. And then Zach falls up and says, someone is running phishing scams via Twitter ads from your account right now, which shows his account and saying, Get these, the Bubbles presents his first collection. Get more exclusive VIP Gold Lion, blah, blah, blah. Some kind of crypto thing, which apparently is very prominent in their account. And he simply goes, thanks for letting me know. I'm looking into it right now. Which as far as I can tell, is still there. Interesting. Now, last point on this, or a couple more points actually. At the same point, he follows up and says, been awake for over 24 hours. Initially hosting former Prime Minister Khan, censored on Pakistan media, now covering the coup in Russia. mainstream media is being replaced 24-7 citizen journalism on Twitter, and today it's another example of this. Well, I take issue with the way this is being framed. There's a lot more people who aren't broadcasting through Twitter spaces that are doing monumentally better work on what just happened. But the independent mainstream or mainstream independent side of all this is being repositioned as the new media even though that's already ta- that's already happened, guys. Somebody follows up and simply says the same thing. Twitter is the new media. Best coverage than all other official media channels together. I don't know about that. You guys give me your thoughts in the chat. Joey follows up after his response of ending the coup on the mainstream media. He goes, well, you're the real winner of the coup. <laughs> he's, it's a snipe, really. What he's trying to say is that you came out on top by towing the line, I would argue, and did gain like 200,000 followers just from this one engagement. But Joey, you can see his perspective on this, says, this is why Joe Biden hates Putin and is having the CIA fund a coup with pergoshin That's his opinion, obviously, which I think there's some overlap there. It has nothing to do with Ukraine. No one on this earth actually gives an ass, he says, about Ukraine except the people being fleeced. It's about power, corruption, and kids. Interesting. Well, here's Putin's speech, which you can watch for yourself, where he says, and here they lie constantly, perverts, historical fact, perverts, historical facts, and do not stop attacks gets into the church and basically makes the points about the, L- the, the mockery of children, pedophilia, the declaration of the, basically the, the attacks on the LGBT community and the whole conversation, rather pointing out the concerns that are being hidden behind that community. Interesting how he thinks that connects, and I don't necessarily disagree. We'll get into a point about that today. Patrick Hennison points out, well, looks like the Wagner insurrection is over. <laughs> NAFO trolls and regime change evangelists are literally in meltdown. Alas, Putin is still in charge. Because just like we keep telling you, they laid out the narrative and told you it was happening before this has even got off the ground, which seems to have been, be a, a common occurrence with current fumbling U.S. government agendas. The people seem to jump ahead, lay it out too early. It throws everything off and the people expose it. And people on in the independent media break it down quite quickly. Clandestine points out, let me get this straight. Prigozhin who is fully funded by the Russian government, is close with Putin and engaged in disinformation psyops like no ammo in Bakhmut, which was wrong, says crazy S again. And the Ukraine folks didn't even consider the possibility that this was a Russian disinformation agenda. Think about that. There was no civil war. There were zero casualties. This is his opinion. It was Prigozhin being crazy like he always is and right back to the front lines after his outburst. What do I think, he asked? Well, I think Prigozhin is working with Putin as usual to accomplish any number of goals. What did Putin gain? The disguise of the movement of mass quantities of his troops. That's one thing even the corporate media was pointing out. The appearance of being weak to bait Ukraine to attack, they did and lost outside uh, uh, Art Yomov. Uh, that's an interesting one. Art Yomov Mubsk. <laughs> These Ukrainian names drive me crazy. And he weeded out any traitors who may have tried to join Prigozhin. What did Putin ultimately lose? Nothing. Now, people may disagree with that. They may, hey, he lost face and he's losing control. Well, again, I don't know if that's the case. There was no civil war, he argues, no civilians in danger. And now the country and the public are galvanized around him, which actually seems to be the case. Now the NAFO uh, people will be on the next thing and right back to hating Prigozhin and Wagner, which again, that's the point. You saw those very characters. And there was more than just that one account who immediately switched into freedom fighters after they claimed they were pushing against Putin. Which I'm telling you, there's an overlap to the way this was always meant to be framed about the Russia ceding the Nazi extremism concept to be blamed on the people in this country. And we've seen that play out. It's happening right now. But because of you and because of independent media, this story has been broken down before, just like I was just saying, it was able to be executed. That's my opinion, obviously. Just like they did with Belgrade, they turned out to be not the end of Russia, despite the Ukrainian accounts being certain of it. As I said before, he says the only place this was a civil war was on the internet. And you just witnessed who is a reliable source. That's what we were just making the point about. And who is not? Who reports on verifiable information and those who report on wild speculation? Careful who you follow. Now, there is an important point to be including things that are speculation, but being very clear about what it is. We don't know what this is. Now, again, you could argue to some degree that's what they were doing. Reportedly, we can't prove this. But remember the way that it's being framed in, and you listen to that spaces, It's not being stated when they report things on there. This is what's happening. We can see this on the ground. These are reports. And that gets pushed out to to the people listening. So I agree. I think this kind of exposed quite a bit. And then Ben Swan, of course, includes this image that I think is very hilarious, which has become this classic meme of the not FBI agents milling around in Russia. You know, the point is, I think we all somewhat know that there is an obvious effort here by Western intelligence, the whole entire discussion of the Ukraine war. It's very, very transparent. Well, going on to the point about misinformation, as seeing as how we just literally watch this, this kind of meltdown of misinformation in the, in the everywhere, the corporate media, the Twitter, uh, the NAFO trolls, as they're calling them, where they seeded this narrative that this happened. I mean, it's just like all the rest of the Ukraine discussions, the ghost of Kiev and any number of things. How about the Poland story? How everybody said that Russia attacked Poland and those that were pushing it, even Zelensky, who continued to do so even after it was proven to be false, never got accountable held accountable for that. We see this continue because it's not about the truth. It's about seeding the narrative and controlling your information. And once we prove it's wrong, as they just said, they just jump to the next narrative. Well, then we know that the misinformation industrial complex has nothing to do with information or misinformation. It's about controlling the way you perceive it because they're not attacking these people. They're not censoring accounts that are telling you that the Wagner group is going to take over Russia. Why not? I'm not calling for that because that would be a violation of free speech, but doesn't isn't that what they're saying? That's not about sides, but about truth? Clearly not. Here's a really alarming post on the the Read Out blog by Jahan Jones. And this is a really alarming thing that just happened. So this is actually posted yesterday. There seems to be a concerted effort to go after a group called Moms for Liberty, if you can believe that, a group that's literally fighting for liberty and free speech and rights. But because they claim that they're wink-wink, secret right-wing conspiracy theorists, that means they must be Nazis. I'm not even making this up. And because they end up using a quote that related to what they were dealing with, and it turns out that's a quote from Hitler, which, again, I would argue is probably not the most best tactful way to do this, they're being called Nazis. They're being called racist and they're, they're being, I mean, it's a, it's a very clear top-level campaign. As it says, an anonymous Hitler quote highlights Moms for Liberty's extremism. Now, of course, the obvious point is to go, well, these Nazis who are Nazi saluting with Nazi badges who are praising Bandera and literally telling you they're Nazis, you're just confused. They're not Nazis. You don't understand. They're just believing in things from their history and it's, it's nuanced in the situation. But a group of Moms for Liberty accidentally, so they say, uses a quote, which I think is completely obviously accidentally use a quote that aligns with children because they're fighting for their children and they explain why it's not about supporting Hitler and that doesn't matter because they're Nazis and we know it because they say the things we don't like. Keep funding the Nazis in Ukraine, though, because they're not. It's insulting. In Indiana chapter of the extremist Moms for Liberty, they're literally being called a hate group by the ADL and different groups like this. They've now apologized after quoting a Nazi leader. Moms for Liberty, the shadowy. This guy really writes this, the shadowy right-wing group whose members fashion themselves as fierce mama bears. Apparently that's some kind of wink-wink Nazi insinuation. It yet again is facing controversy over extremist ideology in its ranks. Like, here's the crazy part. They're not professing to have any insight into their actual ideology. They're simply saying, well, because they use this quote, well, what's, what's clear, isn't it? You know, that's called that's called assumption. That's called being subjective. You are going, I'm going to assume that because this quote was out and because they must be lying about it, that they must have this ideology. There's quite a bit of assumption happening there. And this is mainstream journalism for you. And an Indiana chapter of the organization issued an apology on Thursday after a recent newsletter it sent to its members included a quote attributed to Adolf Hitler. It says the Hamilton County chapter of Moms for Liberty quoted Hitler's remarks in a 1935 rally on the front page of its newspaper on Wednesday saying, quote, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. Okay. So if you're a mom and you're fighting for your children and you look this quote up and you go, oh, well, that perfectly aligns with what we're trying to expose that the government is trying to own your children. And so we use the quote. Does that mean you're supporting Nazis? When I say What's the term they use that, uh, you know, re- lie, a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. Am I a Nazi? Well, that comes from Goebbels. That comes from a, go- a Nazi. No, it simply means that the truth of the words are apparent. And even more so pointing out that if they said this, it's because he was trying to control the children, which is what they're doing today. So it, it actually fits perfectly because that means you're calling them the fascists. But of course, this doesn't matter. The nuance doesn't matter when you want to frame a clumsy story around the people you don't like. But of course, again, the Nazis in Ukraine, you don't understand, just ignore their open professing to be Nazis because you're just confused. But these people who tell you they're not, who tell you why they choose this quote, and the quote even applies to what they're doing, they're the Nazis. Don't trust your your lying eyes. Absolutely mind-blowing. It says, after the Indianapolis Star reported the quote on Wednesday, which think about that, the media going so far as to pluck this out and make it a corporate story, these people are being targeted because they're having an effect it says they added additional context saying this horrific leader should put parents parents on alert which again they're making it clear we weren't insinuating that we're supporting somebody saying this i mean how would you even piece that together they're fighting the fact that the government is trying to control your children it's common sense quote if the government had control over our children today they control our country's future That's quite obvious what they were trying to say. The attempted cleanup job apparently didn't suffice. Why? Because we're talking about a coordinated effort to bomb them with people on Twitter and social media saying, well, I can't believe you said this, and they feel pressured to do it. Their funders push step in. That's how this tends to work. It's called, well, trolling, manipulation. I mean, this is not honest, is the point. Considering their leader eventually issued an apology, they clearly caved into the pressure. But Thursday morning, the new version of the letter came out, and they simply added that apology. The story won't be swept under the rug that easily. That's what this guy's saying. The story. East Palestine's suffering. People are literally suffering from chemical exposure that they're lying about. But this is what the story... This is the groundbreaking story he's trying to keep un- from out from under the rug. Great job, corporate media. This is disgusting. These people are bad people. He must know what he's doing. It says, It is easy to see why some people might believe Moms for Liberty holds a favorable view of Hitler. That's a real sentence by this journalist and his oppressive regime. So now you're going further. You're saying, well, it's not just that he be- that they be- have a good view of Hitler. That assumption is enough. But no, it's because he they believe in the way he conducted his entire campaign. My God, these are real people. These are the people leading the conversation, we're told. It says its members have sought to have the government ban classroom decisions they don't like. That's not what's happening. They're trying to remove sexually explicit content in front of children. But of course, you could frame that as trying to ban certain things. You know who's actually doing that? People on this side of the movement who are literally banning things that they don't, removing statues they don't agree with. That is the reality. Discussions focused on discrimination and historic oppression. No, that's not what's happening. And this agenda focused on indoctrinating children that does, in fact, echo some efforts imposed by Hitler. They're claiming that their agenda is to indoctrinate children. You can't make this up. They are literally framing it. It's exactly what I just said. Acute, or I didn't say that one actually, but again, accuse them of that which you are guilty. Another Nazi quote. So apparently I'm a Nazi. Are they sure they say that anyway? It's ridiculous. Anyway, the bottom line is it's very clear that they're being attacked. Focused on, as Vince points out, it seems that there's been a, pr- a propaganda campaign waged against Moms for Liberty. The phenomenon is taking a, f- a route familiar in the last few years, labeling them as extreme, saying they're, they're a suddenly a hate group, despite no real discernible, discernible hate, trying to get their events canceled. He says, to me, this shows the left is worried about the effectiveness, or I would say the government, of what they're doing. And they're seemingly concerned that more women will choose to fight for liberty than pick a fake, arbitrary, two-party illusion side. That's what I think this is about. Well, here is Sydney in Australia. The same thing is happening. Social media giants could cop millions of dollars in fines if they don't consistently remove fake news from their platforms. Now, this is the same thing. I'm forgetting what the number was. Bill something in the UK. We've talked about this a lot. They framed it as fighting for free speech, but all it was going to do is exactly this. Create a situation where they were incentivized to censor before there's even a reason, because if they don't, well, we're going to be fined for it. It's exactly what we told you was coming. They are going to censor above and beyond more than we've already seen, guys. Here's the clip.
3: Media giants are set to receive massive fines if they consistently fail to remove fake news from their platforms. The federal government has released draft legislation detailing its crackdown, which includes greater powers for the communications watchdog.
4: 5G tower. As
5: COVID spread around the world, so did an online conspiracy wrongly linking 5G to the virus. The UK has reported...
0: Well, let's not forget that there's peer-reviewed studies that have already come out that show definitively that the symptoms overlap in shocking ways, like it's exact same overlap. That doesn't mean you can prove that it's the same thing, but that showed you that that was very similar. And that peer-reviewed study, two of them, in fact, per- came out finding that there was a connection to it. Doesn't mean that it was necessarily the same thing, but that this was exacerbating the same kind of things we were seeing. That scared everybody. They wanted to shut it down and they pushed it away. I did a report on Donald Trump and his legislation that secretly rolled out 5G infrastructure all over the country under the guise of COVID-19. That no, no way was I saying they were connected, even though we should ask these questions. And yet that got over a million views. And that's why my main YouTube channel was originally taken down. Clearly, there's something going on here. What they're trying to say is that people were removing these and taking down these, like we're seeing right now in the UK with people taking down those 15-minute city things off the lampposts. They can't stand this because it stops them. And they want to put, I mean, this this is obviously, this is a crime, right? You're, you're violating their infrastructure, or removing, what would what be called, uh, what's the term for it? Vandalism, I guess. But either way, the point is we, people are stepping in and stopping these things because they feel that there's a problem there. And all they're trying to do is say, well, we, there's a crime being committed, so we can arrest these people, but we need to go further than that. We need to find out why they decided to do that and then ban that thing. When has that ever been the case? Well, they've been trying for a long time, but that's the, what they're trying to do here. They're telling you that we're going to ban whatever we arbitrarily deem misinformation because that is why people are taking action here. Well, how about we just realize that there's already a a law that could be used to put these people in jail if they commit a crime. But you see, they don't want you to think like that. They want you to think broader, more fear-mongering, and act like we have to get ahead of this, otherwise we're all going to die. I guess you could say that for every topic under the sun they're pushing right now. Climate change, vaccines, COVID-19, everything. Trust the narrative, right?
5: around 50 fires targeting towers and other 5G equipment. Phone towers in Australia also targeted, highlighting the potential danger of false information. People actually interfered with that infrastructure, which can be terribly harmful. The communications minister today pushing ahead with a plan to crack down on harmful mistruths and the digital platforms that allow them to spread. This is an important step to keep all Australians safe.
4: Misinformation is, you know, uh, fake information, whether that's text, pictures, video, audio, uh, that gives a false narrative to try to change someone's uh, perception in a negative way.
5: Under proposed new laws, search engines, social media platforms, dating websites and online marketplaces could be hit with fines of between
0: nearly 3 and $7 million. Dating websites... Tell you see why how important that is. Why would they care what you're chatting about on dating websites? It's because they need total information control, right? Just like the was a total information awareness, the original group name for you know these intelligence apparatus. They can't have you chatting about vaccine danger in your in your meetup or your unjected chat group or your Bumble group, right? Can't have that why because this is absolutely important to them because they're losing control this is what totalitarian governments look like
5: or up to five percent of their global turnover whichever's highest wow. if they fail to properly tackle disinformation and for the first time the communications watchdog could demand access to digital providers documents related to fake news it will wow. essentially mean that the regulator is able to look under the hood of what the platforms are doing.
4: They simply don't have the infrastructure to deal with
0: uh, these issues in real time. So the bottom line is they're going to say, okay, well, if you don't do that, we will take a lot of money from you, but we might even dig into the hood, under the hood. We might find that secret thing that you don't want people to see. We might find that you're evading taxes. Or, you know. The bottom line is these are massive companies, and they don't want people digging through their dirty laundry, so they're going to toe the line, which they probably were going to anyway. But how alarming is this, guys? How very clear and transparent is this? We are being corralled right now into this technocratic panopticon. It's happening right in front of us. Andy you points out in this interview, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, the e-safety commissioner, said she plans to use legal powers to force Elon Musk to censor Twitter with a threat of $700,000 per day. The report mentions yours truly, Andy No as a problem account. Right. So are we going to pretend that Elon Musk is going to be willing to pay almost a million dollars a day to not do what he says he's doing anyway? (laughs) Right. They're already censoring guys. So let's not pretend like he's at any. He's already shown that he's willing to censor if it goes along with. I mean, the bottom line is it's not free speech, guys. It's not even uh, freedom of reach. They are straight up censoring what they call hate speech. They're censoring all sorts of people that are medically associated people in covid conversation, people in the transgender conversation. It's happening constantly. But this goes even further. Here is Wittgenstein points out from Politico. Twitter will now respect the EU's content moderation rules, known as the Digital Services Act we were just discussing. The company's owner, Elon Musk, has said this on French TV. So I guess that whole free speech absolutist narrative is out the window. Are we, are we okay with this yet, guys? Can we acknowledge the Twitter files were a lie? Can we realize that he is not who they said he was? Even people, that the sycophant supporters who are still telling you everything's fine are always going to say that, guys. That's what we need to realize. They're always going to tell you everything's fine. He's on your side. He believes in free speech. There's an explanation for it, guys. Donald Trump is all that you ever expected. Here's why fighting for the vaccine is a secret ploy to get... It's always something. It's always something. He just said on TV, which you could be lying, I guess, that he is going to comply, which means more censorship. It's not hard to see, guys. It's just not hard to see. Aaron, now, this gets into some interesting points about how this is going to be applied. Aaron Rupar says one of the most absurd things I've ever heard... I mean, this has been happening. We've saw Peter Hotez and all the gaggle of people fighting the same line saying, you know, they're not supposed to debate despite Peter Hotez ridiculously writing articles a year ago arguing how that's exactly what they have to do. Guy's a complete clown. But the idea is that they're now saying we can't debate these people because that would be crazy. Get can have our ideas challenged by non-experts. And of course, I realize that you're just kicked out of the circle when you say things you're not supposed to. So that means that unless you say what they agree with, you're not considered an expert, which means then they won't debate you. Well, that works out perfectly for them, doesn't it? They just kick at anybody they don't like, and then they go, but you're not in our circle anymore, so we don't have to debate you, which means they never, ever debate anybody that challenges their ideas. We're starting to see that, aren't we? Well, he says, debate me has become a bad faith propaganda tool for the right. Now, look, let's just even pretend like that's true. That people are saying debate me as some kind of a way to manipulate. You know how you know how easy that is to show is wrong. Now there's a there's very few people I would argue that exist in this field that are good enough at manipulating the information and lying to be able to to have a debate on a real scale with somebody who also knows the information while lying. Like so, you're going to debate them in order to seed false information, and somehow you're good enough to do that to win against somebody who is arguably what they're claiming fighting for the truth, which is not even the reality. They're lying to us. But you understand how ridiculous that is? So at what point are you acknowledging that you're not as good as people lying? Is that, isn't that that what you're saying? That we're somehow able to circumvent and manipulate these people? I mean, so what, we're all social engineer experts suddenly? I mean, this is pathetically stupid, guys. It says, designed to legitimize lies. Okay, well, then prove they're not Prove that they're lies. Break out the study that apparently we all know is there and say, see, he lied. Fauci did show him this. No, he didn't. You, I've, we brought this up every time. If it was as if they were a- able to prove that RFK was lying on any one of those claims, it would be literally all over the internet right now. It's very sad, but they're it's legitimized the lies and target critics for harassment. It's ripped from the rights free speech playbook. He puts in quotes. <laughs> I mean, so n- now freedom is some kind of a surreptitious manipulation. Apparently, to these people which demands bad actors get access to all platforms and audiences or else. Well, yeah, Aaron, it's called free speech, man. As a journalist, you'd think you'd understand that. Bad actors, what does that even mean? Are they committing crimes? Well, that'd be a different thing, wouldn't it? You're talking about people that say things that you think are false. They're allowed to do that, bud. It's called free speech. It's just very sad how these people, whether they know they're lying or not, have been driven into a position where they think they're intellectually correct to argue completely intellectually dishonest things. It's staggering to me. Well, we have this example. Michigan can now censor you if you hurt someone's feelings. It's not a joke. This is a real story. June 23rd. It's House Bill 4474. You can see it right here. A person is guilty of a hate crime. See, now they're passing legislation that includes a term that's not even literally a crime, guys. That's how broken and backward this all is. Hate crime is not actually a crime. So you can write in here ethnic intimidation, for example, or harassment. These are legal terms that you can argue constitute a crime. Hate speech is not one of them. But by arguing this becomes something that's, you know, via precedent is involved in this legislation. Well, they're going to try to argue that it is crime now. But the point is, you're guilty of hate speech if a person maliciously... So right out of the gate, we're talking about a subjective term. How do you prove somebody's trying to be malicious? What if they did it? What if I mispronounce somebody by accident and you think wink wink, and he knows that's what happens already? We've already seen people get charged for crimes when they're just being told they know they did it on purpose. But it's saying that that person maliciously and intentionally, which I pretty much the same thing, does any of the following to an individual based in whole or in part on an actual or perceived characteristic think about how ridiculous that is of that individual listed under subsection two which is just whatever they imagine themselves to be regardless of the existence of any other motivating factors uses force or violence on another individual well there's already a crime for that period causes bodily injury okay there's already a crime for that intimidates another individual there's actually already a crime for that damages destroys or defaces any real personal digital or online property of another individual without the consent of that individual. Okay. here's where I think the point is defaces, destroys any digital or online property. Does that that count? If I say something on social media that you find offensive, is that the same thing? I, I bet you that will contort into that. But the bottom line is it goes on to say threatens by word or act to do any of these things. Okay. So now it gets one step further removed. Now, if you in their mind suggest or threaten that you might deface something, by saying, I disagree that you're even a woman. Suddenly, that's in their mind a, threaten, a threat by word that means you're going to do something. This is like the Bethlehem Doctrine for the transgender movement. This is preemptive self-defense. So apparently we know he's about to do something because we see it in his eyes. Suddenly you become this exact problem. Now that's full abstract. But the point is we've already seen your words such as saying there's only two genders. Has been, that, they've framed that as a direct violent threat. We've already seen this. So there you go. Exactly the point. And you can see all the listings down here of the things that they're including. The bottom line is this is subjective and it becomes a tool that can be used to suppress you if they argue you're being insensitive. TV meteorologist quits after receiving threats and harassment over climate change coverage. This was on the 23rd. You can read the story for yourself. The bottom line is he's saying, well, I was being, people on my Twitter account were saying I was wrong. They were saying I was lying intentionally. (gasps) No. I feel so sorry for you. Now, of course, he argues he got... Let's just read it for what it says directly. It's saying, The decision was not easy, he told the Washington Post, but in a tweet announcing his exit, he cited a death threat stemming from his coverage, which he said resulted in post-traumatic stress. Welcome to the club, buddy. I get death threats literally every day, and so does most people in this field who are fighting for the truth, or even lying if they think it's the truth. People will attack them for it. People in Ukraine, Eva Bartlett, Wyatt Reed, they get death threats every single day. You know what, though? They're journalists and they got tough skin and they fight for the truth anyway. The problem is that this is not about fighting for the truth. It's about somebody who is trying to frame themselves as the victim for people coming out and saying, you're lying, or rather, you're not telling the truth. Here's the information, even if you don't know it, that climate change is a manipulation, not that we're not hurting the planet, but that obviously there is such a game being played around this discussion. We're destroying the planet. That's very clear, but not in the ways that we're being told or how it's it's leading to, But it says the emails from the viewer, according to the screenshots tweeted, called him a liberal conspiracy theorist and told him to, quote, go east and drown from the ice cap melting. That's his death threat. So a death threat is go do something we know isn't happening. That's what they mean by that. Right. Okay. so the point is, it's not a death threat. It is somebody making a a quip, a snipe at him by saying that you're wrong and you're a conspiracy theorist and apparently that's a death threat. What we get is actual death threats. I'm going to come to your house and kill you. I can show you. I don't care to make these people famous. It happens all the time. But they're the victims though, apparently, and here we are. Climate change coverage. Well, here this brings us into the manipulation part about the misinformation industrial complex. Now, I've failed to go over this. I've been had this off to the side for a long time, but it's been put off enough that it was such a focus when it came out, I will revisit the discussion of Mariana Spring. Now, Norman Fenton points this out. He's retweeting this, again, because not enough people have seen it. Mariana Spring believes, and this is not a joke, guys. You can watch it for yourself, that the Great Reset and Agenda 21 are extreme conspiracy theories. Think about how stupid that is, the Great Reset. Now, she's not talking about like the way that people perceive that narrative. She's talking about the idea of the Great Reset. The very fundamental principle, the outline that is in the book Klaus Schwab wrote that's been given out to people all around the world and the World Economic Forum, young global leaders and the conversations they're having, it's all about this. It's about reimagining the future and using and they argue, well, COVID-19 was a perfect opportunity to do that. I have it in his own words. I've played it a hundred times. But apparently that very idea is a conspiracy theory because it's not true, according to the fact checkers on BBC. It, it's just that's absolutely staggering. And you can watch this this watch-along they do, which is just embarrassing for her. These are two vaccine-injured people watching her misinformation as somebody fighting misinformation. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Oops, oh, that was weird. I thought there was more underneath this. Oh, that's too bad. There was more. I guess I went back one too far. Oh, well. Well, the point was that... Only the conspiracy theory the only conspiracy theorist he writes is Mariana. Now, here is where we got into this, as it's already spun out after she posted this. On May 22nd, she put this out. Welcome to BBC Verify. This is really embarrassing, by the way. And then after this came out, she already shifted into the victim state and said, well, people are trolling me in this, and they're calling me misogynistic slurs and threatening and hateful messages, and now he's... Probably. Twitter and these places are disgusting. There's disgusting people everywhere. Some of them might not even be real. Some of them might not even have actually happened. But who knows? And who cares? The point is that this is just words, and we used to be grown-ups and used to be able to put it aside. People are disgusting. That happens all the time. Doesn't mean we should condone it, but you can't censor somebody or act like that's enough to do so. But here is what she said originally. Let's watch this first.
6: Investigative journalists here at the BBC. Uh, We are also a new brand, and we are a physical location um, above the newsroom in London. Um, And the point of the team, as you said, is to verify video, to fact check, to counter disinformation um, and to analyze really complex stories so we can get to the truth of what's going on. Why does this matter? Well, mistruths can cause really serious harm to society and to the people in them. And so we want to show you our workings and really help you understand how we get to the bottom of what's happening.
0: Well, just really quickly, if mistruths can cause such serious harm, ask yourself, what happens when all the people throughout history have been wrong on accident? What happens then? Did the world get destroyed? Did this fabric of society break down? Well, no, because people are, have always been allowed to be wrong and have to can be wrong on accident. In fact, she's wrong all over the place in this very video. The point is, by stopping speech and shutting down the flow of information, it's actually more so about doing the same. It's, it's not about maintaining the flow of information or maintaining safety or any of this stuff. I mean, it's, it's quite absurd. I think it was um, Dr. Peter McCullough that made the argument that the, I, the very concept of misinformation— or disinformation is is almost illogical. Like it has no place in science, it has no place. People put theories forward, they can be wrong, they can be right. Maybe they can maybe be intentionally wrong. The point is, if you're trusting the scientific method, if you're being objective, it doesn't matter because you can look at it all together and it'll probably stand out if it's incorrect or it'll eventually flesh itself out if people are continuing to be objective and engage with things you can prove. So the point is they want you to be afraid of this boogeyman misinformation when in reality, they're the chief purveyors of exactly that.
6: And I'm going to give you a bit of a flavor of the kind of work that the team are doing. Uh, So we're able to look at maps to geolocate specific uh, situations, stuff that's going on. Um, So Google Maps, breaking. This is just a map of central London where we are now. And this is New Broadcasting House where I'm speaking to you from. Um, and it's not so important, perhaps, for the center of London, but it is when we're analyzing war zones or what's happening in hard to reach places.
0: Of course, that's when we utilize Maxar Technologies, which we've shown you numerous times, is a CIA cutout and has actively lied more than once and been caught for it about what's going on in Ukraine. But, you know, let's trust she, she's got a nice little red circle pan that she can use, so she must be legitimate.
6: And there's a story on the BBC website today. It's looking at Russian fortifications um, on the front lines in Ukraine.
0: If you want a good laugh, take a look at the BBC reporting and how actively they've been wrong, intentionally, so I would argue, the entire time this has been going on. But let's trust them to break us down on what's really going on. In it's, just, it's pretty
6: sad. Uh, and you can read more about it there. Um, and there are other ways that we also are able to interrogate what's going on, including on social media. Um, I this have some undercover accounts that I've set up for the BBC's America's podcast. And we use these kinds of undercover accounts. And these are the characters that the accounts uh, are uh, belong to. Uh,
0: OK, well, welcome to the Smithmont Modernization Act, guys. Something we've brought up a million times over the years. Right? The, the Smith-Munt Act was about making it illegal to use propaganda on American citizens. Right, The Smith-Munt Modernization Act, which is always how they frame it, the opposite of what's actually happening, was, was allowing it. For national security, though, which means whatever they want it to mean at any moment in time. So they're allowed to create fake accounts. They're allowed to lie to you. That broadcast you saw on BBC 20 minutes ago, it could have been entirely cut from a whole cloth fake story. Every single one of them could even know that, and they would be doing it legally under the guise of this ridiculous law because of national security, whatever that means. It's not a joke, guys. It's easy to look up. The point, though, aside from just that willingness to distort things based on what their government tells them is necessary, how does this make sense to anybody? Isn't the entire point about how there are fake trolls and bots and things that they, at one side of the mouth, call fake news, and the other side, they say, is all Russia... Well, here you go, guys. This is on the surface, the BBC actively using fake accounts to go around and, I guess what, see? Why do you even need fake accounts to get information from Twitter? It's it's just, this is absolutely embarrassing. They want this to seem like some cutting edge act. It's because it's not really about information or stopping misinformation. This is about giving you a nice little show to make it look like these people are top of their game when all you're doing is just stopping the truth as best you can where it matters to them.
6: (laughs) Uh, to be able to really understand polarisation online and how um, what's happening on our social media feeds and what we're being recommended and pushed to us can affect all of us. Um, And they don't offer us a totally um, exhaustive insight into what's going on, but they can help us understand just how social media works. Um, And then there's also investigating uh, other mistruths and the real-world harm they can cause. Um, At the moment, I'm investigating the UK's conspiracy theory movement. I'm trying (laughs) to understand more about how it's evolved and intensified
0: Okay, now ask yourself, why is it necessary to do what she does next, right? Like, this is just such a ridiculous whiteboard. Like, this is supposed to be some kind of, like, so she circles things and draws lines to other things. And even when she's done, I don't see how this even really makes much sense. It's just about making it seem like there's some inside thing she's discovering.
6: Since uh, the pandemic here in the UK, I'm looking at the alternative media that finds itself at the heart of this movement and a conspiracy theory newspaper that's a part of that as well. I'm looking at the way that alternative media is funded. I'm looking at-
0: Okay, so what what's the logic here? Why, why are far-right figures down there on the left? Why is local communities on the, on the right? Why is that pointing up to two and then swinging off to the right? Why wouldn't they all be pointing to funding? Like my point is this is just stupid. <laughs> There's not even you don't even need this is just to show you the red line and arrows. That's all that's about. Look at me how I'm executing this and I can see through it all. There's nothing there. There's no information there. What do you mean the UK conspiracy movement? That's not even a real thing, guys. There's not some inside movement of conspiracy theorists that are actively trying. That's the same way they frame all of this. Like, it's, it's the anti-science one-word term that HOTES uses. Like, we're all some, he literally says you're part of some anti-science lobby. Like, these people are ridiculous. And I, frankly, I think they know that. This is silly, guys. It's absolutely silly
6: at its impact on local communities. I'm looking at its connections with far right figures. And
0: what about far left? I guess that doesn't count, right? We don't care about those ones.
6: Also, it's foreign links. Um, that's for a podcast series that will be coming out in June. Of
0: course, but that's the entire point. The entire point of all of this nonsense is to draw a line right back to Russia or China and say they're the ones seeding the bad guy stuff so we can fight you and them simultaneously using the same tactic.
6: It's called Mariana in Conspiracy Land, uh, and it Jeez. will be available on BBC Sounds, Radio 4, asking that question, could January the 6th or a German coup attempt like we saw um, there ever happen here? In
0: <laughs> It's just so embarrassing. These people are clowns. But cool. Here's what happened, though. So right after she put that out, they're trolling response to this, including misogynistic slurs, threatening and hateful messages. Are you sure those weren't your other BBC dummy accounts? Certainly possible. And just more proof, of why investigating this is so important. Why? Because people say bad things. So it's important to break down what you argue is the truth, the things that we know you're lying about because people say mean things and hurt your feelings. Apparently. Welcome trolls and stay tuned for my latest radio for... No, thanks. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Here's the next one. As us just compare this absurd, ridiculous thing to this other absurd, ridiculous thing <laughs> where they're both doing it for no reason just to make a point. And Glenn Greenwald was the one pointing this out, saying this is hilarious. She even presents herself as like above the newsroom as this kind of disinformation correspondent. It's really stupid. These people, as I write, are parodies of themselves. I'm not sure if they are pretend journalists even realize it. This is pathetically ridiculous, and I think nearly everyone feels this way. Yet many still use garbage like this, those in the two-party illusion, for playing team sport politics. As somebody else wrote, Grace, in fact, from Really Graceful, how do we know that you aren't launching misogynists and threatening messages at yourself using your burner accounts in order to overshadow actual valid criticism? It's a great point. We're going to get into some of this in a moment, showing you there's already been what people have framed as hate hoaxes. Well, we know Jesse Smollett and all that ridiculousness, which people still pretend wasn't exactly what we said it was. Even though the court found exactly that, they're still hiding from that. The point is this continues to happen. That doesn't mean there aren't hate crimes. It doesn't mean that there aren't people that are, you know, fighting for what they believe is right. But the truth is that you can see that there are these problems they don't want to acknowledge. And this person writes out, since when did expressing a negative opinion of a BBC reporter become an abusive, threatening, false claim? See my point? It's just they're conflating anything they disagree with as misinformation. Professor Norman points this out. Oh, and this was the other one. My, ol- my only ever interaction with her was to reply to her tweet about her verify initiative and a thread about misinformation in the BBC documentary, because they clearly don't care about the misinformation in their own coverage. She blocked him for it. She didn't reply to requests. There's, here's a response I normally block back. I just blocked him immediately. Why would you do that? This is a professor. He shows you what he said to her. He didn't say anything mean. He just simply goes, well, what about the misinformation in this documentary? <laughs> Fake news, because that, we can't even engage with that idea. These are the guys that were the vaccine-injured individuals in that other clip he saw. Also worth noting that he has no explanation for why her original tweet was pushed on his feed, which I agree with this. I keep pointing this out, guys. I keep seeing this. I saw with Matt Wallace, I made this example. He's blocked me after I pointed out how, what a ridiculous person he was and lied about things and trying to get people to buy things so he can, you know, it's ridiculous. And I'm not following him. And yet it still pops up on my phone from Twitter. So says, Twitter says, check out Matt Wallace's tweet. Okay, thanks, Elon. Clearly there's something going on there. He says, here's his original thread you can check out for yourself. He says, it's certain that every person blocked by her will be targeted by one of her fake accounts that she claims will be used to uncover far-right conspiracy theorists and misinformation spreaders. Does BBC really approve of this? Obviously, they do. Ask Vanessa Bealy how ridiculous this platform really is. Well, we've already talked about many of these ideas of the past that are obvious misinformation, or as we said in this case, we... Weren't we called dangerous spreaders of misinformation when merely stating that this was a possibility? New York to track residents' food purchases and place caps on meat service. That's a real story we just talked about. Well, we were called dangerous misinformation spreaders when we pointed this out. Well, now it's literal reality. If you're not aware, this deny-then-ignore scenario happens often. Apply this new awareness to the dismissals of today. Here's another example. France bans short-haul flights to cut carbon emissions. Weren't we called dangerous spreaders of misinformation for saying this exact thing would happen? I mean, we could, we could give you 40,000 examples of the last couple of years. Glenn also points out remember when Adam Kinz, uh, Kinzinger, did he say his last name? I know who that is, but Kinz, Kinz, Kinzinger, that's what it was, spread lies about Ukraine, then got hired by CNN which decided his lies were noble, just as CNN hired James Clapper right after he got caught lying to Congress about NSA spying, domestic spying. Odd behavior from a network claiming to combat disinformation. Clearly, that's not what they're actually doing, guys. I think this is the most transparent thing in the world. I think we can obviously see what's really going on here and how these people are actively seeding the very narrative that is the misinformation that they pretend that they're actually fighting. I mean, it's pretty alarming to see how this is such a transparent tactic, and yet they don't seem to care well, one of the most alarming things that's happening, and to finish the show, the last section here, is the transgender movement. As I've said so many times for those that may be tuning in, maybe just tuning in today for the first time, that in no way am I arguing that the, the problems we're discussing represent every trans person, every gay person, or the, even the entire movement. There's a lot of people that are also taken by the lies. There's also there are people that are marching because they believe they're fighting for equality, and they, they actually may be. The problem is that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. We've proven to you, and as we will more so today, that there's a focus on children when it comes to the prescription of things like puberty blockers. And we'll show you in their own words that they know and admit that that will cause infertility, but that's their just their trade-off for being who they really are. Well, maybe you can agree with that. I don't know how, but how much you want to want, we can prove to you that most children being given these things don't know that. We can prove to you that most teachers pushing this on children also actually don't even know that they think it's just something a pause button that we can hit and move forward and then decide later it's not the truth guys it's dangerous there's no long-term studies the information is getting pushed in a very rapid way and the problem is that we've seen the things the the general issues that are being ignored the fact that there are obviously predators that are abusing the situation to find themselves around unsuspecting children we it's it's been proven is that 50 percent? is it one percent I don't know, but I do know that it's possible and is happening to some degree, so it should be addressed. Sports, women and men's sports. I mean, all these things are factors that they just want to kick off the table and say, you're a bigot for even asking questions, even though we know that there's something wrong. So let's start with this discussion of the very first elected transgender state representative, who's no longer representative because I think they got caught for stealing some kind of theft credit card thing. It's up here in a second. But that person just got arrested on child porn charges. Now, this is a pretty disconcerting discussion. Now, does that mean every trans... No. Anybody who would say that is ridiculous. That every trans person should be suspect. Well, no, that's not the reality. Neither would... Same thing happened with gay people. that well, not- The problem is... Now, look, my opinions have been made clear about, about whether the religious standpoint or just a logical standpoint. I think there is a problem here. I think that there's something very... As I've to- I- I- I'll include, actually, now that I think about it. The conversation of EDCs, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and how peer-reviewed science has repeatedly found that they do, in fact, or can lead to gender dysphoria. It's not a conspiracy theory. So we know that there is something going on that's driving something like this, or whether you think it's entirely a mental problem. The point is that we can all have our independent opinions, but an adult has the right to do what they want with their own body, as long as that's not breaking the law or affecting children. Or people that don't want to be affected. You can't force me to say things I don't want to say. The point, though, is that we know that this in some ways can happen. Right? That there are situations where people like this can abuse that. Nation's first elected transgender state representative arrested on child porn charges. Here is the story from the Boston Herald. Former New Hampshire state rep charged with child pornography. It says a former New Hampshire state representative with an extensive criminal history has been arrested and charged with distribution of child sexual abuse images with the self-declared transgender former lawmaker may have received from a former romantic partner who worked with children in uh, uh, Tigsboro. So, okay. So if we know for sure that this is, this did happen, which it did, and we know that it's possible, then we have to be concerned about that. We can't allow this just kind of no holds barred allowance for children and, you know, bringing children to sexual events because otherwise you're a bigot. There's a problem there. There is really obviously a problem there. Now, on top of that, or just the, the other part was in 2012, he, this person, this, he became the first transgender person elected to state office and quickly resigned after being caught in credit card fraud. So that just speaks to general honesty aside from that. Here's another example. And again, in no way is this meant to reflect on everybody in this movement, whether or not you think that there's an inherent problem with why it's happening. These are adults that can make their own choices, but we know that there are people taking advantage of this movement. Japan, a politician has been sentenced for taking lewd photos of women in female restrooms and creating rape fantasies about the victims. His name was Wataro Onishi, who dressed as a woman, supported giving protection to men who self-identify as women, and then abused the situation it's not hard to realize that somebody will try to do that. Now, here's the hoax I was discussing. This is a, as uh, he writes, Antifa, leftists, and media have been spreading claims that a gay San Diego man was set on fire by homophobes, which, by the way, is still seeding through the conversation. Scott Rowan said he was called at an FAG, or rather the, the longer term of that word, by two men before being set aflame in Hillcrest, San Diego, I guess in San Diego's gay neighborhood. I didn't know they were exclusively gay neighborhoods, but he goes on to say the San Diego PD are investigating and have disclosed that CCTV footage captured Rowan actually beating up a pregnant woman, bloodying her on the ground, causing injuries that required her hospitalization. Now, apparently he was set on fire in her desperate attempt to get away from whatever was happening. And he fled the scene. The footage shows that it was her who set him on fire. So then he ran to social media and said, I was attacked by bigots. Now, does that mean that there aren't hate crimes? No, you'd be a ridiculous person for assuming that's what I'm saying. The point is that this can happen. People, for some reason, are motivated to lie about why this is happening and driving the momentum behind this movement. Now, you could argue that in this case, why do you have to lie about it if it's so prominent? I do think there are people that are absolutely filled with hate that are carrying out hate crimes. That it's a real thing, it does happen. The problem here is that there are people being allowed to lie. And this whole trust women movement that's happening in the transgender movement, same thing, Kavanaugh, the same thing, is overwhelming. You're not allowed to ask questions. He goes on to say, Scott Rowan spoke to San Diego PD, or the media, about being the victim of a gay bashing where he was set at fire. That's just such a serious thing to do. It was a hoax. CCTV captured him beating up a pregnant woman until she was bloody. So in this case, we have somebody who is the villain being praised as brave she set him on fire and he fled nevertheless many on social media fell for the hoax and said it was evidence of fascism and white supremacy and there you go and and apparently he locked his accounts after this got exposed the report's right there for you and the problem is even like with jesse smollett it didn't matter that it got proven it just still kept being floated because well if it's even if it's fake it's still true to some degree because we know it's happening Lying for their truth is a champion, is a is a tenant of the two-party illusion. Well, here's another alarming development. And oh, here before I even show this, there's some nudity in this. Now, these are people marching at the New York City drag march, which, by the way, who is anywhere trying to ban drag shows? Where did this suddenly become? And you can see the flag right in the beginning here where it says drag is not a crime. (laughs) Who is saying drag is a crime? Nobody's saying that. No, literally nobody that I can see. What we're saying is that you shouldn't have sexual content in front of children. It's amazing that that gets wink, wink nudged over to being white supremacy, racist. You hate trans people, like what? I mean, this this is as stupid as being called a racist for saying the Israeli government just killed people in Syria. It, it does. It just is illogical. But they're trying to say we know what you really think, which is called assumption. But in this is New York drag marchers chant: "We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children." It's not a a mistake. That's what they're doing. Now, we showed you this video. Actually, let's start with this, because I think this is where this kind of stems from, that the, uh, what is it, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir came out and put a video out that basically made a statement that we are coming for your children. Now, you can listen to it, and their whole point was that we're coming for them to make them good people. Doesn't really change the fact that they literally said, you're right, we're coming for your children. And maybe even making them good people is exactly what those parents are thinking that they don't want you to do. And it doesn't mean good people. It means whatever your ideology is. Maybe that's how you see it. It doesn't really matter. The point is that this is a problem. And now we're seeing them chant this like some kind of mantra as we're being told you're a conspiracy theorist for them saying they're coming for your children. It's it's pretty disconcerting. And I think it's actually intentional. We celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years. There's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have
4: a message for you.
3: You think we're sinful, you fight against our rights, you say we all lead lives you can't respect, but you're just frightened, you think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda
0: goes unchecked, funny, just this once, you're correct. Now. I mean, obviously, you listen to it. He goes on to say that, you know, we're fighting to make them good people or whatever he says. But the way this starts. We celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years. There's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights. okay, who are we talking about? Who is working against equal rights? Every single right that you have, every trans person has anywhere, no matter Well, Let's just say in the United States for sake of conversation there's no making up some new reality where people then need something that nobody else has access to because of some discussion or some fear or because of what you've decided is not suddenly not equal rights by that logic. Then everybody everywhere should be getting, I mean, the bottom line is this is not equal rights. It's not trans rights are human rights is an illogical statement because yes, nobody disagrees with that human rights are human rights for everybody. And they all have them. This is about framing it as somehow that people are not trying to protect children. Like, let's just take my personal stance, that I'm not trying to protect children, but rather I'm surreptitiously trying to manipulate this because I don't want them to have equal rights. Some of these people actually see it that way. and Literally, with what I'm saying, would frame it that way. Are there people out there that literally don't want gay people to have equal rights? Yeah, I guarantee that. But the problem is that that is conflation and whitewashing and broad which, by the way, we used to call ignorant. That's what's happening everywhere today. But except if you do it in the smallest way, you're a bigot. But of course, every white person in the same way and every person fighting is all doing the same thing. That's corporate media today. We have a message for you. Respect. Lives you can't respect. Again, So it's the same thing. He says multiple things, but lives you can't respect. Again, who there are people that maybe religiously have a different perspective. Can't you respect that? Right? I mean, in people's minds on, uh, who aren't religious, they look at somebody who believes in God, they might think they're a buffoon, a naive child. Right? But the point is that you respect other people's opinions. But apparently, this only goes one way. Right? I mean, this is the problem with a lot of this. But here, here gets to this is the point that was just shared. So this came out. And now we're seeing this kind of thing chanted in front of everybody. As if we're supposed to dismiss this as a joke, maybe, maybe it's just intentionally a joke. Doesn't really matter. Because this is exactly what we're all worried about. And whether or not they're saying this, it is happening to some degree. Again, nudity, because you're going to see some at this family-friendly display. coming for your children. It's very clear. No one's denying this. That's exactly what they said. Well, here is a really alarming story that shows you exactly what everybody's worried about. I mean, this is not up for debate, guys. The trans school conspiracy exposed. And by the way, we've already shown you plenty of examples of this. This is just one very, very clear one. Midwest teachers trade tips on, quote, subversively and quietly transitioning kids Without telling their parents. Now realize that's not just about names. Transitioning kids involves at the very least puberty blockers. Funded by the federal government dozens of midwestern teachers met online this week and traded tips on helping trans students i guess so we're just assuming our trans students that are you know non-prepubescent children who are just choosing one day that they are because their teachers told them they could just choose and it's not even really about feeling anything you can just wake up tomorrow and say i'm a woman i'm a man or happy i feel like both the problem with all of that completely subjective and incorrect statement is that ultimately you're opening the door for children one moment later to be given puberty blockers because they might not be sure about their gender that's happening that's the connection there i don't care your child wants to call themselves whatever they want fine the point is that immediately as we've already shown you by teachers are then 30 seconds later going let's get you and talk in front of the doctor i'll show you an example of that an hour one one visit this woman this girl is already given puberty blockers and she was lying so the point is, those are going to hurt that person, and they could just be wrong, which is, in fact, happening. Which, again, I should I should grab this, read this to you again in a second. I always, this is important for people to see, I'll just do it right now, that the main group that we've talked about, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, which is the, that's they are the ones setting the the standards of care that everyone seems to be citing. They're the ones telling you that 14 year olds can begin surgery, like actual surgery, breast removal surgery. But the main point is that people that are part of this organization, including the president elect, are telling everybody that they're doing wrong. Critics, including some from within this community, are saying that they're too quick to offer irreversible treatment to kids who would otherwise outgrow their questioning. So that's at least some of it. Some of these kids might just not be what they say they are. But the point is the movement has gone past that already. They're like, it's not about dysphoria. It's not because that's the other point. In the medical community, they cannot get treatment unless they write down gender dysphoria. So now they're being told, just write it down anyway. Even though they tell us they don't have it, even though we don't think they have it, just write it down because it's not fair to not give them what they want. That's what's happening. And that's irreversible. And as you're seeing, the people at this very clinic are saying... It's happening to kids that shouldn't be given it. Psycholo- psychologist Erica Anderson actually resigned her post as a board member of the group, but still maintains a work there. Well, she still believes in it, but she's she was actually resigned her post because she says she has voicing concerns about, quote, sloppy treatment given to kids without adequate counseling. That's two people that work at this large, leading world community at the, this clinic. Then, even more so, where was it? Oh, here it is. Dr. Marcy Bowers, the transgender health group that we just mentioned, the president elect has also raised concerns about hasty treatment. That's three people that work at this clinic, including the president that are literally telling anybody that's listening from the associated press that they are giving children that don't need this irreversible infertility causing drugs sloppy ways and hasty treatment without counseling in some cases. And we're being told we're bigots for even bringing this up. How do we not see that as a problem? Dozens of these teachers got together online and traded tips on helping these students that they've decided are trans change their gender at school without their parents' knowledge. Because that's okay, right? While criticizing a raft of Republican laws. Okay, so do they get to decide what laws to follow because Republicans put them through? No. No. But well, you see that applies in these people's minds where they literally say that they're right here. It says some teachers said they follow the rules, but others discussed being subversive, meaning they don't follow the law or the rules. Because of their personal code of ethics, they say that their personal code of ethics trumped the law. Yeah, that's real, guys. That happens on both sides, by the way. I would argue it's much more prominent the left right now, but it happens on both sides. That they argue that their personal beliefs are more important than the law when it comes to following the law. Now, you could even agree with that. But the bottom line is that these people are the same ones telling you that you have to follow the law. Even things that aren't law. Wear your mask. You have to. But, of course, they're going, but I disagree with this one. Even though it's literally a law that's been put in place through legislation that people voted on. Or rather specifically voted for people that don't. Anyway, Hold whole the conversation. But it says and how to, quote, hide a trans student's name and gender from their parents. So this is a conscious effort to help them go through the process, that, which inevitably leads to irre- irreversible treatment, which the the very clinic is telling you there has being sloppy, and hide that from their parents. Kicking off the workshop, Angel Nathan, get this, the MAP specialist, it's not what you think, at least according to this document, who hosted the session said attendees would review the new laws in a bid to remedy the marginalizing effects and disrupt, disrupt, disrupt problematic policies. Great, so we're going to review the laws so we can find ways not to follow them. Kimberly Martin, the DEI coordinator for Royal Oak School, who serves 5,000 K-12 to students in Michigan, spoke about helping trans students keep their gender change a secret. Quote, I think that requires working subversively and quietly sometimes to make sure that trans kids have what they need. They're not just talking about names, guys. They're talking about quietly giving them the treatment they need, including puberty blockers, without telling their parents. You can watch the whole thing for yourself. Martin did not describe any subversive acts, but later spoke about teachers addressing sexuality with elementary students as young as five years old. There you go, man. We're not talking about anatomy here, guys. We're not talking about sex, sexual education as we remember it. They're talking about sexuality. They're talking about fellatio and anal sex and gay experiences. And this is not what's supposed to be taught. This is, it's about, it doesn't even get into gay or straight. It's about anatomy. The problem is it's becoming aggressively sexualized. We all see this. At no point in the session did any teacher say parents might know what's best for their kids. Shocking nor question whether affirmation on demand was the only way to help a trans kid. You know, despite the actual president of the group they're fighting for telling you they're not doing that and it's hurting kids, right? The point is affirmation on demand means no matter what they say, we go, uh-huh, you're right. I, oh, oh, you're a lizard? I agree. You're correct. Here's some puberty blockers. That's really happening. It finishes by saying MAP, which here it is right here before people freak out, which it's an interesting name though, right? The Midwest plains equity Assistance center map is one of the four regional equity centers in this is the exact area that i looked this up this is the the one we're talking about interesting though because map also means minor attracted persons i think it's an interesting thing to overlap there hosted the workshop is part of the great lakes equity center that's where i looked up funded by the federal government so your government's funding this conversation it's saying in november and that look they have they 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 act with 11 million students 7000 schools across 13 states that's what they're teaching your kids and that's what they're doing behind your scenes in november map announced that it had secured an 8.5 million dollar funding arrangement with the department of education and millions more elsewhere the department did not immediately answer daily mail's request for comment i wonder why they operate across all, 13 states it covers states with pro trans laws and others with more cautious approach right so Pro-trans no matter what. We just hide it where you don't like it. Man, it's just absolutely crazy. Well, here is a clip that's going to probably shock you. Lewis Brackpool, who I've seen before, I'm not really familiar where he comes from, but it's, it's just warning, distressing content. I agree with that. For those with kids watching, you might want to be aware of what he's about to list off. But you should be shocked by that statement because this is stuff that's being given to children. A message to parents, you cannot allow for this to continue. You have to get angry and make a stand. Now, I, you, know, you don't have to get angry. It's hard not to, but it's emotions is probably the last thing we want to do when we're trying to take down this very clear agenda. Get organized, meet with other parents, find out what your child is being taught, and do something about it. I agree with that. Here's what he's finding in these schools.
4: Apologize in advance for any distressing content in this video lesson plans in schools across britain have been leaked Which has found graphic material being shown to kids as young as nine years old I want to warn you some of this is very distressing, but I have to read it out Schools across britain are teaching children that from birth until the age of one babies can experience pleasurable sensations by touching their gen Pre-compulsory RSC lessons are giving homework to kids about masturbation. They're teaching that girls as young as 12 can find pleasure from anal, vaginal, and oral. They're teaching kids that people can change.
0: Ask yourself right there, why would you be promoting the idea that children who are underage can find pleasure in sexual activity? So you're either promoting that for them to engage in sexual activity with other minors or somebody else. Either way, why is that acceptable to anybody? I mean, this is just so wildly over the top. And the point is they don't really expect people to see this. And when they do see it, they think they'll deny that it's even real, which is what's happening. But we've shown you this directly from their own curriculum.
4: ...their sex from being a man to being a woman. They're also teaching that some non-binary humans are neither men nor women, and that men with male Y chromosomes can actually become women. What's worse is they show images... And if I have to censor these images to show you what they are showing to children, we have a problem. Parents, you need to get angry. You need to stand up for what's.
0: And then he just says what he said in the tweet. I agree with him. I mean, this this is, I mean, going too far does not even encapsulate the reality, guys. It's so, this kind of stuff actually keeps me up at night. Like, I think about this stuff what's really happening and the absurdity of how people would frame this as being somehow racist or anti anything. I mean, you guys have known my coverage on this from the beginning. I've got trans people in our very community that actively reach out to me and go, yeah, you know, this is crazy that we may disagree on how, you know, my stance on what I think may be happening, whether it's a gender dysphoria disorder, or maybe they just want to do it. Or we can discuss that because we can have an amicable conversation because it's not about hate. It's about understanding and different opinions. But I have, I've said this many times. There's plenty of people that see how problematic this all is. They see what's really going on. They see that they're being framed as something problematic. There's, people, there's a whole momentum in the gay community. They're coming out and saying, why are you br- forcing this around children? Like, I just played the video from drag queens that are speaking up going, why are you making this happen? You're making us look bad by forcing this in front of children when you know this is sexual content. It's very clear. And I think it's, it's beginning to leak out more and more. Here is another video. Now, this is an interesting discussion, actually. Here's the actual post from the Boston Herald. Kids, drugs, sex toys, dead man in South Boston apartment. Sickening. Now, you could argue this doesn't really have a place in the transgender conversation or the movement. But I thought it was an interesting point nonetheless. Because ultimately what happened is there's a a child or some children that were found in an apartment building with a dead person, in fact, with drugs and sex toys and a bunch of men dressed like women. So I guess we call those transgender people today. So it's interesting, right? Now, all the only reason this should be discussed is you would, if this was in any other conversation, it would be a big story, I would argue, but it's not really being discussed because I think it, it kind of get, it begins to show something they don't want people seeing, that there are people in this community, as well as literally every community that are sexual predators or people that would be allowing situations just like this. They just don't want you to think about that in the the current momentum of the trans movement. Here's the clip.
4: Here, They discovered someone had died and also found that several people were hiding children in a back room. Tonight, four children less than 10 years old are in DCF custody after authorities and public officials say they were found in an apartment with six cross-dressing men, sex toys, drugs and alcohol. Firefighters discovered them after one of those adults died at the apartment. It was obviously sickening to to hear from those that were there at the scene describing what they saw um, and the actions of the adults that were in the room. City. The apartment was in extreme unsanitary conditions. All adult parties were being uncooperative and denied having children in the apartment.
3: Drugs, alcohol, drug paraphernalia, sex toys, etc. And so they were concerned. They had reached out to me just to make sure that It didn't get swept under the rug. The governor says DCF is now involved in
4: investigating.
0: Why would that be swept under the rug? I mean, how is that even something that he would be concerned about? Doesn't that show you something? (laughs) that He was like, well, we got to make sure it doesn't get swept under the rug because there's an obvious politicized discussion around these very kind of topics.
4: Oops. Someone had heartbreaking. Terrible situation. DCF has taken those children into
0: its care and, and custody right now. Which, by the way, concerns me just as much. the chi- the child welfare, the, the children's uh, CPS, children's uh, was it children's. I, I move states now and I forget the names for them. But, you know, the child protection agencies. We've talked about this this whole industry. They their own reports have come out showing that they kind of serve as a pipeline to human trafficking. It's not. It's, you could argue it's not by choice, but just people that are, you know, basically kids end up in in, in foster care, and it becomes this pipeline into these kind of problematic situations, right? So I, it's, it's it's a bad situation no matter how you spin it. The point is that these children are being pushed into situations that promote the very problem that we're trying to stop. And here is a very problematic example of where this is going is exploding. This is a projection. It's a new global sex reassignment surgery market revenue is poised to garner $3.2 billion by 2032 with a growth rate of 20.4% from 2023 to 2032. So right now we're already at this explosion of the market with no long-term studies. Make sense of that for anybody. Now here's what's actually happening. Josh, Champagne Joshi shared this. Josh Walco shared this clip. This is Diane Ernstaff, Who is the medical health director, child and adolescent gender center uh, at the at the adolescent gender center at the UCSF, and and she's admitting on the record, I'll play it for you, that puberty blockers lead to infertility, and that that's something that's just acceptable apparently with the current state. Well, how about we wait to find out a way to do this that doesn't remove them from ever having children? Like this is the kind of thing that makes it clear there's something more going on here, to me anyway.
7: And the other issue that's a showstopper now for many parents around giving consent to puberty blockers is the fertility issue. That if the child goes straight from puberty blockers directly to cross-sex hormones, they, at this point in history, are pretty much forfeiting uh, their fertility, and so they will not have a genetically-related child.
0: (laughs) Oh, I guess because we could just adopt. Or, or don't worry, we're going to have very short terms. What, moments away, we're going to be producing babies and incubators. That that's what is being floated right now. So apparently, this doesn't even matter because we're, let's just get away from this concept that you have to be the one related to your baby. Like, this is just the kind of non-human steps that are being taken. The bottom line is, how did we skip over that? This is not a new video, guys. She is literally saying that this is the current reality, that all of these children who this is the plan, puberty blockers until you decide, then you go on sex, the the hormones, then you have surgery. That's what they're all going through. That's the standards of care. And she is telling you that that will make them infertile. Apparently, that's okay. But guess what? Most people don't know that or pretend that's a fake story because thank you, Mariana Spring, because we're being told everything's fake that we don't agree with. This is absolutely shocking.
7: And there's a lot of parents who have dreams of becoming grandparents, and it's very hard for them to uh, not imagine those genetically related grandchildren. And so we have to work with parents about these aren't your dreams. We have to focus on your child's dreams.
0: Ah, OK, so we have to work with parents of minors and tell them it's not your choice anymore. That 14 year old who is currently I- infertile because of what we're going through, because that's when they start putting them on the hormones. It's their choice. It's their dreams. They get to decide. Right. So when your five year old wakes up and says, I want to jump off the roof and fly tomorrow, or, I want to be whatever, you just go, hey, they make their choices, their dreams. Like this is it, obviously that's a ridiculous example. The point is that this is not how we've ever engaged with the situation. We know that children, if they can't smoke a cigarette, drive a car, join the military, or any number of things, we can't pretend that they can make a conscious and informed choice about the lasting issues here. No child understands what these choices mean 20 years away, 10 years away. There's people in their 20s that still don't wrap their mind around what things mean making choices now and how it affects your future. But let's let them decide. And we have to respect their dreams. What do you mean? The dreams of the teacher that told them this is the way things should be? This is very problematic.
7: And what it is they, what they want. And what I will say about many of the youth who want puberty bloggers, I have never met such an altruistic group of kids about adoption.
0: Wow. Never. (laughs) You know. Great. So we're going to lean into just, well, they're very excited about adoption. So let's just pretend this doesn't matter. Why aren't people standing up in their chairs? Why aren't people freaking out in that moment going, what did you just say? And you're now promoting that still with no long-term studies? So I guess what we know is just the beginning of it because we don't have any long-term studies. So if we already somehow just immediately know what's causing this, we can only imagine, well, we've already gone through it. It causes strokes, heart attacks, bone problems, and that's kind of conflating both the hormones and the puberty blockers, but they all lead in very similar ways. Heart problems, immune system issues. So it's just disgusting.
7: I I will adopt because I think there's so many children who need good homes. And I think that's both um, heartfelt, but also it's they're trying to tell us the most important thing to me right now is being able to have every opportunity to have my gender affirmation be as complete as possible. Wow, my and everything else is secondary.
0: But- See, the problem with this whole conversation is you get into a point where you, it's just an ideological divide. Nobody's going to list you. If you're going, you're, you're just going to pretend that whatever they decide today, because we have over here just made this conversation up that you no longer have a gender. You just pick what you want, but we know that's not true because you have to take things that remove your fertility to be able to even begin the process. But, but we can just pick. And that now, since they just set this reality that we aren't agreeing as reality, that when you come into it and your child wakes up one day and says, I'm X, Y, and Z, that you're now a bad person for not blindly following that. Like just because gender's not real, they say. It is though. <laughs> it's biology. And it, whether sex or gender, we're talking about the same thing here, guys, that we are being manipulated in some catastrophic ways. Adults can do what they want with their own body, as long as they're not breaking the law or crossing lines we've discussed with children and so on. This is something far darker. So let's finish today with a couple of clips. This is a clip of a of a young girl who was approved for testosterone just after one meeting, one meeting, and saying that she was trans. She has since detransitioned. So we see how this works in some cases. Actually, you know what? Just for the interest of time, you guys can watch this video for yourself. She basically just exactly what it says, that she went in there, and with one meeting, they said, here, take these already. So that's a quick choice to be infert to be infertile, right? So that doc just without even questioning it, one meeting, here's something that will remove your ability to have children. Let's revisit this in a month. How is that what we're actually saying is okay? The vigilant box points out this 82-year-old detransitioner. I'm still talking about the harm that was done to me 78 years ago. Hold higher.
3: I operate a website called sexchangeregret.com, and we've helped over a 1,000 people, and we continue to do that every day. I mean, I'm 82 years old. I'm still talking about the harm that was done to me 78 years ago. Well, it all started when I was a 4-year-old boy, uh, and my grandmother started cross-dressing me When my dad found out about me being cross-dressed, he was horrified. Later on, his adopted brother began to sexually molest me. I got married, had children, and then I went to, you know, a gender specialist. When he met with me and said, you need hormones and you need surgery to resolve this conflict that you have about your gender. Well, the truth was, it was never about gender. I learned this after I was 50 years old. After living the life of Laura Jensen, female transgender, it was always about what happened with a purple dress and being sexually abused. And no one was addressing this adverse childhood experience that caused that trauma. Huh.
0: Man. I'm actually going to be having an interview pretty soon um, with – I'm blanking his name off the top of my head. I've talked about it a moment before, talking about the ACE score and these adverse childhood events and how that could potentially lead to this. And then combine that with uh, the uh, um, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and you can see an interesting pattern here. But, I mean, the point – I'm never arguing that that means anything other than that is possible. That's it, guys. I'm not arguing I know for sure what the real – Percentages, but if we know that's possible, why are we? And we, and and even crazier when we have people, the president of the leading group telling you they're being sloppy with children, and we're watching it play out. We can see all the pieces that's right in front of us. It's being driven, it's being given to kids in sloppy fashion, according to the very group that's giving it, and we're just allowing it to go forward. All I'm saying is that's possible. We should be much more clear about what's going on here. But the problem is that somebody somewhere driving this either doesn't want that to happen or doesn't care. And that is really concerning to me. So what we're going to do is finish with a video here. I'll, I'm going to skip this for next time we can read this. It's a really haunting discussion. As it says here, a doctor at a major child, children's hospital explains how puberty blockers shut down a child's hypothalamus, which controls emotions, sexuality, and aesthetic sense. I don't know. I pray that there is a change. One of the things I'm thinking about is what puberty blockers do to children. These are doctors that know this and they're trying to speak out about it. We'll revisit this in a future show. You have things like this that are absurdities. The Sexual Orientation and Gender ideology, Identity Style Guide has now said that they, them pronouns should be used for your pets. Well, because they don't know how to tell you what they really are. I mean, it's, it's gotten long ago out of hand. So let's finish with this video, guys. And this is something we've already talked about. This is the shocking origin of gender identity as we've done, he wrote an entire article on this. Now, this was David Reimer, the kid who was forced into this because of an accident he had when he was a kid and how it ruined his life. And he spoke out about this and showed that no matter how hard they tried and they lied to him, told him he was a girl, he didn't know. He somehow always knew something was wrong, which simply shows you that there is a problem here. Disorder, What it's not just something you can just up and choose one day as they want you to think. Here's what he had to say. Well, I'll leave this with you actually on the way out, guys. It'll be the last four minutes of the show. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning in and continuing to question all that's going on. Ask questions, seek out the information, think for yourselves. It's never been a more important time to do that. We've got plenty more coming your way. I still have Taylor Hudak's outstanding interview coming out very soon. The final interview with Dr. Professor Arna Burkhart. We've got some more coming from this very studio with Pirate Stream Media. Some upcoming interviews. We're going to be interviewing George Webb. We're going to be talking with Mariana, the bee lady, about a conversation about Charles uh, Langer and Robert uh, Robert Langer and Charles Lieber We've got plenty more coming your way, so as always, guys, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Oh, looks like I forgot to upload the video. <laughs> of course, I did that right at the end. Hold on one second. Let me grab this for you guys. This is an important one to play as we, as I said, as I grabbed this, we talked about this before the David Raymer story on how he I guess he had some kind of an, an injury on his genitals, and they just decided to try to make this happen. Now, the point was, this was somebody who was the lead. We talked about John money. We've talked about some of the other people at the beginning of this discussion and how one of them was in fact a pedophile. Now that doesn't have to mean that everybody's sense is the same thing, but the point was, this was an experiment that went wrong. And this still is pointed at as the impetus for where we are today. So thank you for being here as always question everything, come to your own conclusions, stay vigilant.
8: This case was called a medical triumph, but in truth, the case was a failure, devastating the lives of just about everybody involved. This is David, who has remained anonymous until now, uh, only known in the medical journals as John Joan. And this is Janet Reimer, David's mother, who made the agonizing decision to change the sex of her son. And to raise him as a girl. And what you all at home didn't see during the taping of that piece, um, we could tell, Janet, you're, you know, moved and probably disturbed by uh, what you're saying. And, David, you, you comfort her.
9: Uh, she's hurting right now. Uh, mothers are all over the world are all alike. there's guilt. Uh, it's darned if you do and darned if you don't, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, with things that were done were done out of compassion, out of love for your child. Mm-hmm. And, and how can I hate my mother for that?
8: Mm-hmm. Did you think he would hate you? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Did you hate yourself? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you talk on the tape about the day you first put the dress on. Did you have agonizing feelings about it even when the doctor or were you of that generation or kind of person when the doctor said this would be best? Did you all believe that it would be best?
10: Yes, I had complete faith in the doctor. Mm-hmm. I believed it would be best. But when he started to rip it off, I started to have doubts. Mm-hmm. And during the whole journey of trying to create a feminine being. There were doubts along the way, but I couldn't afford to contemplate them because I couldn't afford to be wrong. I couldn't have faced the alternative.
8: And the alternative being what? That you'd made this horrible mistake? Yes. Because then what could you do? Right. Since you, since your earliest memories, you never felt like you were a boy, a girl.
9: I never quite fit in uh, uh, well, the girls would do their things with their Barbies and things like that, and that wouldn 't interest me mm-hmm. and uh, things such as trucks and uh, building forts and uh, you know getting into the odd fist fight and mm-hmm. climbing trees that 's the kind of stuff that I like, but it was unacceptable so i never as a girl as, as a girl, I had no place to to fit in
8: so what would you say to? Um, David, who was then your daughter, do- what would you say to him when he would act out his maleness? I would try
10: and convince him that he was doing it because he was a tomboy mm-hmm. and that it was okay to be himself or herself, I would say at the time. It was okay to be herself, but she was very much a tomboy.
9: Mm-hmm. I tried to fit in. hmm uh, I I tried with the, with the makeup and it, it it turned out to be a disaster. I mean, you got the, you know, the, the the red the red circles on the cheeks and uh, look like, I look like a clown basically. hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but I didn't do it because I liked it. I did it because I wanted it so desperately to fit in because I was so lonely. And I let one boy kiss me on my cheek once, and I thought about it. I said, no, I don't like this. Uh, you know, that's, that, I can't help that. You know I am what I am.
8: Did I, you feel I, you, you when you say I am what I am, but you didn't know what that was?
9: I, I wasn't sure.